Hey, I'm Elijah, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad that you're here, and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. So I don't know if this is a problem in your house, but for me, there's this weird problem that always will creep up, and it's that things always seem to go missing. Right? The very thing you need, somehow, it just gets lost. And it's definitely not us who lose them, right? It's not us who misplaces. It just happened, right? That sock just ended up missing. Whatever gremlin is around that steals socks, it got into our house. Or somehow, the keys magically got put into the refrigerator, Or my phone ended up in some high up place that I could only find if I called it, right? It wasn't me. It wasn't me who lost it. It just got lost. But it's interesting. Uh, There seems to be a lot of things that get lost in my house, right? Uh, I was building a desk for my wife for her birthday a couple weeks ago. And like, it seemed like always there was a screw that I couldn't find, or there was, you know, I, I couldn't remember where I placed my drill, all those different things. And it's always interesting because the natural reaction when something's lost is to go find it, right? When you're like, oh, can't find my phone, right? You start looking everywhere. And you look and you look and you look until one of two things happens. Either you find it, which is just like, there's just like this praise Jesus dance that goes on depending how long you just looked. Or you don't find it and you just get frustrated and quit. And it's interesting because there are always a a, a vast array of things that get missing, right? Whether it's, like you said, you're doing something you lose your pen or you lose something like your phone or the car keys. And you can always tell where something sits on the spectrum of importance by how long you are willing to look for it, right? You know, when I was building that desk and I lost a screw, it was like a minute, right? If I, if I couldn't find that screw in a minute, it's like, all right, guess we're going to have a different screw that's going to be in there rather than the one that they gave me because I can't find it. Whereas your car keys, right, you will wreck your house looking for your car keys, right? You, there's been times where I've come home and like couch cushions are flipped everywhere. Chairs are turned upside down. The bathroom is a wreck. And I'm like, did we get robbed? And then I call my wife. I'm like, hey, why does the house look like this? She's like, I couldn't find the keys this morning and I was late, right? You will see how, some, how important something is to you by how much you're willing to tear up to find it and how long you're willing to spend looking for it. Because really that is the value. That is the value. It is either really valuable to you, where, you know, time is money, in a sense, you want to use that, that expression, where you will put forth time and effort beyond a reasonable amount to find it if it's valuable, or you won't if you truthfully don't care. If the things come out of your mouth where it's like, eh, I'll find it eventually, right? And it's interesting Things get lost a lot, like I said. 
When we think about things getting lost, typically we think about, you know, like those things, like the remote or like a pen or glasses and it's just on her head, whatever it is. Things get lost a lot, but we don't often think of things as us. We were lost. We were lost. We didn't know where to go. Some of us in here are still lost and we don't know where to go. And tonight, we're going to look at some instances in Scripture where it talks about us as lost. And we're going to see tonight our value to Jesus because of how willing Jesus is to look for us. But before we jump in tonight, let's pray together. If you would, bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we have an opportunity tonight to come and to worship, to be together. Lord, we thank you for the community that we have. Lord, we thank you for so many people tonight who are celebrating their recovery journey and milestones or stepping stones in their recovery journey. Lord, but most importantly, we are thankful for you, the fact that you love us and that you did not leave us lost. Lord, we thank you. And in your precious name, we pray. Amen. So if you would, turn with me to the the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15. And as we dive into this series, uh, this series, specifically the name and kind of the the passages we're going to look at over the next four weeks, they kind of stem out of one passage or one section in Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15... Uh, we see Jesus, he's sitting and he's teaching. And a lot of times what Jesus does when he teaches is he uses parables. And parables is a, a churchy word for stories with a point, right? Stories that illustrate a purpose. And so I love parables because I really learn through stories, And so I love when Jesus tells parables because they help illustrate things for me and for my dumb brain a lot of the times, right? And so in this chapter, this Luke 15, Jesus uses three distinct parables or stories to illustrate this very clear picture of how much he loves us. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at what those stories are. And I'm going to start a little bit out of order. I'm going to, use, I'm going to actually, we're going to look at the second story tonight. <gasps> Shocker, right? Uh, I'm just going to, got to add some chaos to the mix, right? So Luke chapter 15, look with me in verse 8. Jesus is sitting and he shares this story. Luke 15, chapter, Luke chapter 15, verse 8. Or a woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, And sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. So here we have this picture of this woman who she has ten coins and one has gone missing. Right? And, And... she has the option to be like, eh, I'll find it eventually. Or I'll look for it in the morning, you know, when I might need to buy something. Or, you know, it's probably in a coat pocket and I'll find it eventually. 
No, 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 no. She looks and she says, I gotta find this now. And she lights a lamp, which in effect is like, Really, it's going to wake up the whole house, if you, if you don't know. Back in ancient times, right, they would, they would sleep kind of in one room of their house. And once the lights go out, it's like, that's bedtime. Everyone's going to sleep. They didn't have, like, lamps, uh, like, electric lamps, stuff like that. And so she wakes up the whole house, and then she sweeps. She's moving furniture. She seeks diligently until she finds it. And then it's not like, found it. All right, bedtime, everyone, let's go to bed. No, she goes and she wakes up the neighbors because she is so excited. She says, I found this. I found this thing that I was looking for. That's true excitement at finding something lost, right? And we see that Jesus, he explains this story or what this parable means in verse 10. He says this, just so I tell you, There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You see, this idea of sin, sin is what goes against God. Things contrary to God. Things contrary to what he calls us to. Things contrary to who he is, right? Lying is sinful because God is truth. Stealing is sinful because it's taking the blessings that God gave to someone else and taking them upon ourselves. And you could go, Thing after thing after thing. Murder is wrong because God gives life. And when we take life, we try and make ourselves God. It is against God and his creation. And you could go thing after thing after thing, right? When we compare, that is how we know what sin is. And when we choose sin, we choose this path that is contrary to the one that he's laid before us, right? When God created, when he created the world, he created this perfect world and he created us. He created humankind. And what we were designed to do was worship him. Now, a lot of people think that when I say worship him, I mean like we're gonna have like 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 worship session. But that's not the picture that we see in Genesis, You see, the way that Adam and Eve worshiped God is they walked with him. They were together with him in the garden and they were side by side and they worshiped him through their relationship, through their interaction with him and through obeying him in the garden. And then they chose not to, right? He gave them a very clear command, don't eat from this tree And like a kid told not to eat from the cookie jar, they did it. And thus the process of sin started and they were kicked out of the garden and they were dead because they were dead to their purpose. Physical death came into the world, but they were spiritually dead because the very thing that they were designed and created for, they could no longer do because their sin had separated them. And from there, they started a path of sin that humankind walks to this day. 
And so we see like there's these, these two paths, right? And one is this massive, really wide highway that has a bunch of intersections and can lead to a bunch of different things and take us on a bunch of different journeys. But the end is still the same. It's death. It's hell. And then we have this road, which Scripture says is narrow and is walked by the righteous and his holiness, and that leads to salvation. And so naturally, when we live... When we're born in this world, we live sinful and we walk this road that is contrary to the road we should be walking on and we're really just lost. We're wandering. We don't know where we are. Sometimes we don't want to know where we are. And we're lost. We are moving in the opposite direction of what saves, what is salvation. And so this idea of lostness is used in Scripture so much because really that's what we are. We're wanderers who are completely lost, who are completely helpless, and who are moving ever-present to evil, death, and hell. And so when Jesus uses this picture of what is lost, he's talking about us. He's talking about you and I. We were lost. We were lost. And he says, I diligently seek you. You were lost and I tore the house apart. I am willing to tear this place apart looking for you. And he demonstrated that. He demonstrated that. He came to earth. He came to this sinful, broken mess of a world to find us, to grab hold of us. And he lived on this world and he walked this narrow path, but then he took the punishment. He went to the cross and he died. He experienced death, both physical and spiritual death. He experienced it so that we could have salvation, so that he could come and grab us and pull us onto the road of righteousness. That is the gospel. That is the truth. And when he comes and he finds us and he brings us onto this path of righteousness, it's, it's not like, oh, finally. You know, it's not like, oh, Now they got their act together. It's a celebration. It's excitement. It is awesome. I had an opportunity uh, a couple weeks ago. uh, I got done with my message on Sunday morning in Davison. And uh, I walked into the kids' area because I just like to, you know, come and talk to parents. And uh, Mark and I, the kids' director, are really great friends. And so I was talking to him. And he walks out of this room. He's got two little kids with him. And he goes, you guys got something to say? And they looked at me and they were like, we just accepted Jesus. And you know what my reaction was? It wasn't about time. You know, finally you got your act together. Right? It wasn't, you know, we've been talking about this for how many weeks? No, it was, that is amazing. Right? I was getting excited. I'm still excited to this day because they were lost and they have salvation. 
And that is just a microcosm. It is a grain of sand in the vast ocean of celebration that happens in heaven when salvation comes. That is him seeking us. That is him looking and saying, I did this for one, for you. And he's seeking for you, for the one, for you in your lostness. He's seeking you. He's seeking each of us. That is the gospel. And we see that he loves and he demonstrates his love for us in the gospel, in his death and resurrection. But that's truly not the only place he's demonstrated that. He demonstrated that in the way that he lived as well. And as Jesus walked this earth, there are instances throughout scripture where he saw people who were lost and he said, that is someone I want to follow me. And we're going to take a look at those people. We're going to take a look at those instances. There are four instances over the next four weeks. You know, it's funny how that fits together. We're going to look at those different instances where Jesus saw someone who he was like, that's the one. I got to have them on my team. And the thing is, through the gospel, he wants each one of us on his team. And so it's important as we look at these instances to see things about ourselves, to see how much Jesus loves, how much Jesus cares for us, just as he cared for these other people in these stories. So turn with me actually backwards to Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus is kind of strolling through town very early on in his ministry, and he comes in contact with a tax collector. And if you don't know, tax collectors were like the baddest of the bad dudes. They were people everyone hated. And you know, I guess it's a little bit the same today, you know. Sorry if you're, you know, work for the IRS, but your job's not really loved. Your reputation's not really that great, right? People still don't love taxes, but back in the day, it was like infinitely worse, right? People hated tax collectors. And there's really three main reasons why people hated tax collectors. First reason is they were thieves. They were thieves. What they would do is, you know, it wasn't like today where there's like all this like, you know, like, paper trail and all this stuff where like, you know exactly how much you owed. Like they would show up at your door and be like, hey, you owe this amount of money. Give it to us. We're going to burn your house down. And a lot of times there was like the Roman, the Roman empire would ask for this amount of taxes, like say, you know, seven gold pieces. And they would show up and they'd be like, hey, you owe us 14 gold pieces. And we don't really know why, right? But they're going to burn our house down. And the reason was they'd give seven to the Roman empires and they keep seven to themselves. So they were thieves. They would line their own pockets selfishly. They would take unjustly from people. The second thing is they were violent, right? You know, it wasn't like they just said, hey, give us this money or we're going to burn your house down. Like they did it. They made examples of people. They hurt people and they sicked the guards on people who did not pay up. Whether you could or you couldn't afford it, you know, if you didn't pay, you didn't pay, and someone's going to have to pay, whether in money or other things. 
But I'd say the third reason is really truthfully the reason why they were hated the most. They were hated the most because they were viewed as turncoats. They were viewed as people of betrayal. And the reason was is because when the Romans, they took over Israel, they said, hey, they're probably not going to like the Romans showing up and telling them, hey, we have this amount, of ta- this amount of taxes that you have to pay. So what they said is, you know what we ought to do? We ought to get some Jewish people or some Israelites to take or to go and be our representatives, to be our tax collectors. And so what had happened was the Romans, they went and they got these people together. And what happened was they turned on their own people. Right? That's what the people would look at them and be like, wait, aren't you supposed to be like us? Like, you were conquered too, and now you're the ones that like are doing their dirty work? And not only are you doing their dirty work, but you're stealing from us. You're our family members, right? We grew up on the same block together, and now you're threatening to burn my house down. And so there was this deep-seated anger and hatred because not only were they viewed as thieves or violent thugs, they were viewed as disloyal at their hearts. Selfish, selfish individuals. And so they were like universally hated, both by honest and dishonest people. Like even the, the bad dudes, you know, like, hey, you know, I may have killed someone, but at least I'm not a tax collector, right? Like, don't lump me in with those. That was how they viewed it. And so we see, it's important that you know this background because there's some interesting stuff that's about to happen between Jesus and a tax collector. Follow along with me, Luke chapter 5, verse 27 says this. After this, he, Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Verse 28. And leaving Everything he arose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees, and if you don't know who the Pharisees are, they were like the spiritual elite. They were kind of in charge of telling people what was and wasn't godly. And they really, really liked it, right? Because they really loved to judge people. And so you just kind of walk around, and they would just judge people and tell you whether you're doing the right thing or a wrong thing. And they loved to hang out around Jesus because they loved to condemn him. So the Pharisees were watching. In verse 30, this is what happens. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so as Jesus is sitting there, right, and Jesus sees this tax collector, and his heart is moved. He sees an incredibly lost individual, right? Everyone is saying, yeah, those are the people that are messed up. Those are the people that are jacked up. They got some terrible stuff they got to work through. And everyone else is like, they'll never figure it out. You could put it right in front of them and they'll still choose themselves every day because that's what they do. They're evil. They're greedy. They're turncoats. They betray us. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. 
right? The Pharisees come and they're like, these are the people you want on your team, Jesus? Like, good luck. <laughs> That's going to last real long. Hope you weren't planning on keeping any money, right? Because they're going to take it all. They look and they're like, they're flabbergasted. They're like, why would you want someone like this on your team? And Jesus looks and he says, he's like, this is the reason. You are confused. You're confused. You don't get it. But to me, this is exactly who I want on my team. This is the whole reason I came here. You know, I was in heaven, right? Hanging out with God. I am God. I'm the son of God. I left there to come for these people. I came here for the messed up. I came here for the broken. I came here for the lost. I came here for those who weren't good enough, let alone good at all. That's why I'm here. How many well people do you see at the doctor in the ER? Not a lot. Because they need a physician. They're in emergency. I came here not for you who think you're all good, but for the people who aren't, for the sinners. And Jesus calls Levi to follow. He calls him to be on his team. He calls him to be close, be nearby, be saved. You are not too far gone for Jesus to save. You aren't. You may think that. We like to lie to ourselves and say that. Maybe that's what people in your world are telling you. You're never going to figure out this Jesus thing. You've tried this and that and the other thing, and it hasn't worked. You think Jesus is going to work? Nah, if there is a God, he ain't looking for you. That's what people say to you. You aren't too broken for Christ to fix. Man, I got this problem. I got that problem. It's not just addiction. It's a lot that's going on in my life. You tell me Jesus can fix that? Yeah. Yeah, he can. He has fixed that. And others in deeper holes than you are. You aren't too evil for God to want you on his team. In fact, he came and he died for people like you and people like me who are messed up, who are broken, who the world will look and say, you are far gone. Jesus will save you. Jesus offers you salvation. He will use you for his glory to do great things in our world. Maybe not the, the way the rest of the world thinks great things are, but for things that matter to him. He will grow you and he will be with you forever. That's what salvation is. That's why he offers it. That's why he came down to this world. He goes to Levi and he demonstrates that because he calls him, even though the rest of the world wants nothing to do with him.
You need to understand that tonight. Your enemy, whether it's your flesh, whether it's Satan, whatever it is, your enemy wants to tell you all sorts of lies. And they want you to believe that Jesus isn't worth it or that you're not worth it or both. And I'm telling you, he is and he makes you worth it because he loves you. He loves you so much. He came for the lost. And I love Levi's response in the midst of this. Levi, he gets up, he leaves everything, and he throws a party. He throws a feast, and he invites all his friends. He says, hey, there's this guy who showed up, and he wanted me on his team. I'm a mess. I'm broken. Y'all know it, because y'all are tax collectors too. Come over. You gotta see this guy. He can use you too. And he's excited and he responds and he's immediately like, I'm in. I'm in. The decisions that I made made everyone hate me. But there was one person who in the midst of all the hate of all the people who I had stabbed in the back still said, I want you. He responded. He said, I am in. And because of Levi's response, He continued to follow Jesus. And Levi, he changed his name once he started following Jesus. He changed his name to Matthew. Maybe you've heard of him before. He's a follower of Jesus. He's a disciple. He was an apostle. He's a guy who did incredible things for Jesus. He did incredible things in the name of Jesus. But he was lost. He was broken. He was evil. But he responded and he saw the way that God loved him. And he said, that's what I need. Yeah, I got money. Yeah, I got security. It's not enough. I need Jesus. And he was made new. He was used by God even though he was a mess. Because Christ showed him his desire and his love for him. And so tonight, as we dive into scripture, and as we look over the next couple weeks at God's desire for you, I pray that you have the same response that Matthew has. That Levi had. I pray that you look and you feel the love that Jesus has for you. Not because you did anything, not because you earned salvation, but because he sees you and his heart breaks at the lostness you feel. And I pray that your response is that of Levi into Matthew. That you accept that love, that you're excited by that love, and that you follow Christ out of 
his love for you. And tonight, you have an opportunity to do that. The band's going to come up and they're going to play some songs. There's going to be leaders down front. If you want to know more about that, come and talk to them. Ask some questions. Or maybe you're still just feeling too broken. Ask them for prayer. Ask them for encouragement. Maybe ask them about their stories and where Jesus brought them from, how Jesus sought them out. But know that you are loved by God and that he came and died on the cross for you. That he wants you on his heavenly team. Or maybe you want to ask more questions about the gospel. You want to ask more questions about why we follow Jesus. Come find me after. I'll sit and I'll talk with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. I would love to talk and hear what it is you're struggling with. Because sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes we have questions. But please know this. Christ loves you. He came and he died for you. He came and sought you out wherever you were at. And so the question is, how will you respond to the call of Jesus to follow him? Let's pray. Lord, tonight, Lord, we thank you. We thank you because we know we're a mess. Lord, we look at our lives and we see lostness. Or we look at our lives and we feel lostness. Lord, and I would I, I pray for my friends in this room that we would know, that we would believe that someone came up for us. Someone came to save us from that lostness, to make a way for us. And that was Jesus Christ. And he went to the cross and he died and he rose again to make a way for us. Lord, and I pray that we would recognize his love and the way that he uses us even in the midst of our brokenness. Lord, and I pray that you'd help us to respond to the call that he's given us. For some of us, that looks like salvation. Taking that first step of salvation. For some of us, maybe we've convinced ourselves that we're not good enough or we should just stop where we're at or or maybe that we are good enough. Lord, I pray that you would help those lies to be taken away from our minds. Lord, that we would look in Scripture and that we would see a desire to continue to follow you, continue to grow, and to continue to seek you because you have always sought us. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. In your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen.